Bonjour, and welcome to the Armature Detective Club. This club is exactly how it sounds. A bunch of amateurs talking about their favorite mysteries. So if you encounter a real mystery or a murder, contact the proper authorities. Do not come to us. We do not know what we are doing. But enjoy the program. Allons-y. Let us begin. Come, il me prend dans ses bras. Il me parle du I now call to order this meeting of the Amateur Detective Club. It is I, Tristan Miller, Kid Cop. And it's me, Mars Nuveth, Boy Detective. I want to. I, I just. I did not want us to do an accent train, it's, and I do regret it. It's too late. You've done it. Well, well I've got it. <laughs> And it is I, uh, Melissa Mealy, the spy. I don't know what that was. <laughs> is vaguely Russian? Is it, it, it is yeah, I d- actually can do Russian, and I didn't quite. <laughs> it didn't quite okay. happen. It's okay. Good. Some days you just can't do a Russian accent, and that's all right. <laughs> Some Russian people live that way. Yeah, it's a hard life, maybe. One would imagine. So, we're talking about the mystery on the Blue Twain today. The Blue Train? Yeah, the Blue yes. Train. Which... The Millionaire's Train. Mm-hmm. It's a train in France. Yes. And I was mm-hmm. wondering, is it because of water that they were calling it the Blue Train? I think it's physically blue. That's my guess. Okay, That's not that I it goes the... near water. Mm-mm. All right. Um, from what I understand, there are three or four blue trains. There's one in South Africa, there's one in Paris, and then there's one in one other place. I just Googled the one blue I'm... train instead of mystery on, and now I know a little bit more about blue trains. That's good. Look at that's that. Good. We got some background for you today. That's the, that's, the, that's the important, very amateurish detective work you get when you come <laughs> to the detective <laughs> Yeah. You need the information you can only get with... A 30 Google seconds search. looking at Google. We're, we're <laughs> your folks. Okay. Um, can I say one thing about the structure of this book before Man. we get into uh, <laughs> I I really want to do this. I don't know why. But it's uh-huh. actually, I think, uh, interesting to how it kind of develops and how we learn about everything. I realize mm-hmm. that we usually get uh, a first person mm-hmm. uh, narration, and this one is third omniscient mm-hmm. so we're learning from about all sorts of things that are going on with all sorts of different characters all at the same time yeah and like what so what was going on like what was agatha going through that she just changed it up so interestingly yeah i yeah. don't know i mean it's got to be hard because hastings not with him anymore yeah so she doesn't right. have a, like person doing the journal entry yeah and and we didn't have like we did with roger Ackroyd. we didn't have the that narrator ours Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna read to you from the holy wikipedia (laughs) um poirot boards le train bleu the blue train for those of you playing at home (laughs) bound for the french riviera meaning the french riviera so, so does Kathleen Gray, who is having her first winter out of England after having recently... Wait, what's her name? 
Catherine Gray. Oh, thank you. Who is Sorry, having... go on. Sorry, what? Nothing. Go on. <laughs> okay. Continue talking. <laughs> Who is having her first winter route of England after having recently received a large inheritance on board the train, Gray meets Ruth Kettering, an American heiress leaving her unhappy marriage to her to meet her lover. Uh, the next morning, though, Ruth is found dead in her compartment, a victim of strangulation. The famous ruby Heart of Fire, which had recently been given to Ruth by her father, is discovered to be myth- missing. Missing. Wait, wait! Don't go into the crime. That's my domain. I'm sorry. There. <laughs> so we have a dead person in a train. Yeah. So, uh, but let's talk about a little bit how this kind of came about, because we don't get Poirot in this book. For like, I don't know. We listened to it on Audible. Two hours? A million chapters, I think. Somewhere I think around ten. A million chapters. I think yeah. Ten. There was a lot of no Poirot. And actually, if you go back and I assume we haven't read uh, Murder on the Orient Express yet, but I am at well, I don't know because we t- the movie we get Poirot at the beginning, but we get a lot of character introduction as well. And so we just get so much character introduction with all these folks that we've never met before. That, let me stress this, Emma, so much. Yes. I do not care about. (laughs) I feel no empathy towards any of these people. (laughs) They're all terrible, and I hate them. I listened to the first chapter, because I was walking around while I was doing it, and you know, Mm -hmm. other things were entering my brain. Mm -hmm. I think I listened to the first chapter. I listened to the entire book twice. But I listened to the first chapter about six times. Yeah. Because I had so much trouble with the entry point because into this one. Because it starts with, like, there is a man walking down the street. He has gray hair, and he's walking with a limp. He is a cane. Who is this man? He is important, but we'll get to it later. Yeah. It's bad. And then a guy sells jewels, and then a guy tries to rob from the guy who bought the jewels, and then they're like, well, the robbery didn't work, but another plan to get the jewels See, will work, and that was all set up. And I don't remember any of that part that you just said. It all happened. Yeah, it, it, it... It, like, introduced the Marquis as a character, and then I spent the whole time being like, so we know he... Like, I know he's in it. Like, you told me at the start of the book he was in it, so, like, all the chunks of the book where I'm waiting around for him to come back as an important part, I'm just, like, waiting, because I know he's gonna be there, because you told me at the start. So this is actually something that I wonder if I had read as in, you know, Physically. typical methods of, mm-hmm. yeah, like with my eyes going over a page mm-hmm. as opposed to be as opposed to listening to it. I wonder if I would have liked this setup better. That's fair. Yeah. But as it was, you know, going around listening to it on the subway, on the train, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> the blue line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I it was I was having trouble being grabbed by it. That's fair. I liked a lot of the first part, but I liked the boring parts of things a lot. Um, <laughs> like, like I thought, it, I thought it was was really interesting, and I was like curious as to how it would all fit together in the end. Mm. What, sure. what was the the hardest part for me was actually the middle where I wish Poirot would have been there at the beginning because like so much of the middle felt like 
like going down paths I knew were dead ends and mm-hmm. Poirot knew were dead ends, but we had to go down them anyway. Mm. So I didn't yeah. mind the setup so much as the, the middle where it was just like all of these vaguely pink herrings. <laughs> Pink herrings. I oh, love it. It sounds like a euphemism. <laughs> it does not, a little bit. It is. And it also it's kind not. of. It definitely makes... is. <laughs> Would pink herrings be anything like Swedish fish? Yeah. Let's okay. say yes, for the sake Good. of our PG rating. Yes. It's a euphemism for there we Swedish go. fish. Um, but no. <laughs> I mean, I see what you're saying. It was just like too many characters that. Like, it was just so much set up all at the same time. Yeah. If they had in- introduced Ruth Kettering, just followed her, and then she meets mm-hmm. um, Catherine, and then yeah. Catherine explains to to Kettering the situation, it would have been so much better. Which he did in the compartment anyway, so we got it twice. We didn't need it. Basically, it feels like a weird cold open you know, yeah. it feels like, you know, at the beginning of Doctor Who, there's always that, like, there's a cold open, oh, and then yeah. someone yells, and then bum ba dum ba dum ba da 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 starts. Yeah. It's that. Yeah. yeah. Right, except it takes way less time in Doctor Who. Yes! Yeah. It just, she needed a good editor on this one, and she didn't have yeah, one. Yeah, she was, like, trying to juggle too many things. Like, trying to make, like, oh, the fact that, like, the fact that Kath... Lean Gray and and the and Monsieur Kettering, I don't remember his first name, the man Kettering, mm. uh like saw on each other on several occasions before this was uh interesting, but like too many ideas like that uh like filled yeah. up the book and made it way too big. So you're mm. exactly right. She needed a, an editor on this mm-hmm. one. So Yeah, we have this whole thing uh sorry, Tristan, go ahead. No. Go ahead. It's gonna say you should uh tell us about the crime. Well yeah, just before we get into mm-hmm. that uh, it is a very big deal because there are these very, very valuable rubies that Ruth's dad, uh, Mr. Van Alden, yes. is that his name? Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, he's an American, so we get really fun American accents from our uh, our former Hugh Fraser. It's great. Uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, so he has made this very big point of giving Ruth, his daughter, these rubies. And says, so don't bring them on the blue train. Because mm-hmm. that could be dangerous. And the, did she definitely brought the rubies, uh, huh? Guys? Absolutely brought the rubies. Real, okay. Fake. Real. Yes. Fake. Real. Fake. <laughs> so, uh, yes, we have met Catherine Gray, who seems, by all accounts, a completely lovely young woman who has been a servant for most of her life, but has now come into some money. And so, gosh, can we talk for just a moment Mm -hmm. about how hard they hit the fact that if a woman has good clothes, they can be a great beauty, Mm -hmm. and men can't tell, no one can tell otherwise if they're beautiful? It's really weird. Like, the clothes that, the clothes that they're wearing, oh, the clothes, the clothes, the clothes. Um, Uh, And... And there's also a lot of talk about uh, how at age 33, well, you've lost your first freshness. Yep. Who hurt you, Agatha? Now, who hurt you? My my question is, and this is always the question in regards to, like, the gender politics of Agatha Christie, which is a sentence I never thought I'd say. (laughs) Um, Is, like, is it a satire? 
is she pointing out things she doesn't like, or did she think this way? Because it is unclear. It's, yeah, it's super unclear. Because, like, when it's coming from Hastings, you can easily give the excuse she's writing a, a dumb man. But in this case, it's just, like, it's like or an, is it... an older woman telling a younger woman. Or, or is it to showcase... a woman telling her the, the guy she's sleeping with. Or is it just, like, a case of, like, this is how things were? What do you think, Melissa? Yeah, I think that it's... Some of that, probably. I think that we also, it occurs to me that we've listened to this performed only by men. Mm. Yeah. And I wonder if there is, it would be any more cheek if there was a, an audible performance by a woman, perhaps. But at any rate, I, I think there's some of it that is her commenting on, you know, the internalized misogyny of everybody. But also, I think there is a little bit of internalized misogyny that she just is kind of a matter of course for her life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, she just was raised in that time, and so there's some of it that she probably believes a little bit, too. So, you know, Melissa's Feminist Corner. Right. So, I'm trying... Anyone who's 33, by the way, you have not lost your first freshman. <laughs> Except so, yes, for Jesus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Wait. Wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, so he wasn't he, hot by the end of his life, is what I'm wait, saying. Wait, yeah. So we. Um, so now. Or maybe he we're was. on a train. We're yeah. on a train. There's a body, and there's some rubies missing. Right. We got a little bit derailed there. Which um, is all right. So did the blue train. Twist. Uh, Everyone died. The train crashed. The train is a that metaphor was... for purgatory. Yes. Um. Now I'm just okay. a quick audible search. Uh -huh. Even the Miss Marple... Okay, there's one Miss Marple, two Miss Marples that are narrated by women. Everyone... Interesting. I guess Amelia Fox does most of them, so... And Stephanie Cole. But it's okay. still, like... It feels like the majority is men, which is interesting. Anyway. Yeah. We're on the train. All right. A murder has happened. A murder has happened. You yes, want to hear about the murder? Yeah, please. Okay. So we get a lot of point of view from Catherine for a while. Uh, after they have spoken in the compartment where Ruth has, uh, over lunch, right? They spoke over lunch, and Ruth admitted to Catherine that she was going to meet a man and was going to basically abandon her marriage, I guess? That, yeah. Well, I mean, she's she's supposed to be getting a divorce from her husband, Dennis. Dennis? Derek, 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 that's his name. Um, her husband, Derek, uh, they're divorcing. Catherine basically convinces her, uh, Catherine warns her against meeting this man. She thinks it sounds like a really bad idea. And so it seems like Ruth is rethinking this. Um, and that, and then later we see Catherine, basically we learn that Catherine is pretty uncomfortable and doesn't really want to meet, uh, Ruth again after having her confessed all of this stuff to her. Feels very awkward and hopes that she'll have a different dining companion. Well, she sees that Ruth is going to, whose, whose name she doesn't know, by the way. She doesn't know Ruth's name. She mm -hmm. just knows her as a woman in a mink coat with uh, some auburn curls. Um, and so she sees this woman go into her compartment to have dinner seemingly by herself, which she's relieved about. And that is when, of course, Catherine meets Poirot no, uh, for, for dinner. Yes. I have a question. You did all that Tell research me for historical hotties when you're talking about Agatha Christie. Does Agatha, yes. or did Agatha ha have auburn curly hair? Because it feels like most 
of the women in these books have those things? Um, from what I could tell from the mostly black and white pictures mm-hmm. of her, uh, she seems to have had brown hair. Okay. So it's a I Kathleen believe. Kennedy sort of situation here. Now I'm second guessing myself. A Kathleen Kennedy, what do you mean? Um, all of the leads in Star Wars look the same. Gotcha. And they all look like Kathleen Kennedy did when she was younger. Okay. I see. Kathleen Kennedy looked like John Boyega when she was younger? <laughs> Weird. I don't know. Actually, she she might have been a little blonde. Interesting. Now that I'm looking at her again. Mm. Um Definitely blonde when she was younger. She had silvery-looking hair when she was okay. older. Um, yeah, no, okay. just kidding. She was pretty blonde. Okay. Um, looks like. Yeah. No worries. Again, all of these are in black and white. Okie doke. So we meet... Oh, well, that one, she looks brunette. Well, who's to say? Okay, yes. What is the truth? So, so we finally have Catherine and Poirot meet, which is our intro to Poirot. Mm-hmm. And so later... Catherine thinks she sees the man that she's seen twice somewhere around, who is Derek Kettering, go into the compartment of the woman in the mink coat, who we know is Ruth, but then reconsiders later and thinks she must have been mistaken. Mm-hmm. The, the next morning in Nice, Catherine notices Ruth's blinds are still drawn, so thinks that she has been uh, asleep. She's sleeping in. Um... So, but later she gets off the train and she is questioned by the police. Mm-hmm. And she tells them the story that uh, Ruth told her. And the police, who still are not telling her Ruth's name, say that this woman was strangled with a length of black cord and that her face was bashed in. Poirot, of course, wonders if the face was smashed before or after she was killed. The doctor says it was after. The Scarlet Morocco jewel case that she had with her is missing. The conductor... Sp- uh, the conductor... Uh, what is the sentence I wrote? Um, oh, the conductor that Ruth had allegedly spoken with said Ruth mentioned she left her maid behind in Paris. Her maid, Ada Mason. Um... So, yes, we learn a little bit more when they're able to question Ada Mason, mm-hmm. who says that Ada, the maid, says that Ruth went back in her compartment with a man and told Mason uh, that she should go leave in Paris. Everyone assumes it was her lover, De La Roche, who is, by all accounts, a terrible cad who preyed upon women and probably stole their souls from them a lot. Um Ada Mason does say it was normal for Ruth to sleep late and that Ada Mason did not take her jewel case with her to Paris. She still had it with her on the train when she was killed. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I can talk about some of the suspects. Yeah. So Please do. The thing we find throughout the story is that beside the coincidence of uh, Gray and Kettering being on the train together... A lot of other people were on the train, too. Uh, First of all, we find Derek Kettering was, in fact, on the train. Uh, We also find out that... Do either of you remember the name of his dancer mistress? 
Mirel. Mirel mm-hmm. was also yes. on the train. And mm-hmm. uh, making them both very, very suspicious. Awesome. We've had allegedly Count de la Roche was on the train, making him suspicious. Right. And uh, the reason Murel and Derek are supposed to be suspicious to us mostly is they were having an affair, which is one of the reasons that the Ketterings were getting a divorce. And uh, Derek was talking to Morel. And it's like, I'm going These to be names. rude. Yeah. These names. <laughs> of course, Agatha. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, um, he's like, I'm going to be ruined. Are you going to stick around, Murel? Also, yeah, like, I he's love the American accents in this one. Yeah. I get so oh, excited yeah, about so it. Oh, yeah, they're so great. Um, but uh, uh, Murel's like, oh, I care for you very much, Derek, but I... They need to have money, so I cannot stay Goodbye. here. Goodbye. He's like, oh, I see how the rats leave the sinking ship. That was Derek. Um, yeah, yeah. By Catherine O'Hara? Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so... What? And, and they kind of, like, I don't remember I th- who suggests it, but, like, eh, if only she died that before this divorce happened, then I would be very wealthy. And uh, yeah, But she's in great health. And Mira's like, it could be an accident. And he's like... I suppose it could be an accident. That's Derek again. Um, played by Johnny Depp? Yeah, by, by Johnny Depp. <laughs> oh, Johnny my. Depp's character, Captain Jack Sparrow, is playing a different character in a novel. Yeah. Okay. Um, Perfect. Yeah, so they're suspicious for that reason. The Conte de la Roche is suspicious for other reasons. Um, because we... he is, by his nature, suspicious. Yes. Yeah, did they uh, talk about... Have we, have we gotten the, the note that they found? from the lover she was going to meet that was given to... Oh, Kennedy. no, yeah. Can I bring that up now? Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you bring that up because you're bring the that only up. one that seems to remember it. Yes. Um, <laughs> so they find a note, uh, and it's the evidence that she was apparently going to be meeting with someone, um, and it was from uh, presumably the Conte de la Roche, and it was like, oh, I'm so excited to be seeing you. I love you so much. Also, I happen to be writing a book on very fancy rare jewels and I would love to be able to observe Ooh. the heart of fire in order to have a whole section about it in my books. So if mm. you could just bring I that. I can only mean... finish if you do this thing. Yes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's quite good. Fun. Yeah, pretty um, much. So they're like, because <laughs> originally they're like, why would Derek, if Derek killed her, he wouldn't have stolen the jewels because he's already, like, he's going to be rich for killing her. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're like, oh, it must have been the Conte de la Roche because... He was planning to steal the jewels. Because he was talking about the jewels. He was, he was like, ah, I need you to bring those jewels for my cool book report. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which is a move that definitely <laughs> works, kiddos. If you, if you gotta get those jewels. That's oh, the, yeah. That's totally. And it's when they're first saying it was definitely Conte de Roche, Poirot's like, I do not think that he would murder but, someone. Yeah, like, like, he's this a is not Like, this is not at all what he does. That's too big of a risk. Yeah, and they're like, no, it must have been him. And he's like, all right, I guess so, whatever. Mostly because the Comte de la Roche and Ruth had a previous relationship before she got married that her father did not approve of. And so his her father hates him and wants him to die. Yeah, and there's a bunch of policemen who like specifically want to bring Comte de la Roche in, but they have never been able to. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, this is it. This will be the one where we get him. Mm-hmm. They're not American. But either. he has an alibi. Yes. Yeah. But because we're in third-person omniscient, we find out seconds later that it's not real. 
because he goes to his service right. like if they come in if if they come and ask i was definitely here tuesday not wednesday that is the thing about yeah when you have omniscient you can't do a murder mystery i'm sorry yeah it's just some weirdness it does make it harder it just mm-mm. Mm-mm. um but that's that's a little yeah. bit of suspects. Uh, Poirot does while he's investigating want to talk a bunch to Mister Gray. Uh, we also observe a and he's like, "I will keep you up to date on the case. Uh, she, you will be my assistant." Which yeah, I thought meant she was going to be the replacement Hastings, but then she wasn't, and we mm. had a kind of. A I mean, she basically, she basically was the replacement Hastings, but it was much more sly. It was much less obvious. Like they weren't together the entire time, but they were definitely in communication for a lot of this. Yeah. Yeah. And she as a character is just quiet. And that's her main attribute is that yeah. she doesn't speak unless she and has then to. And she sees a ghost. Um <laughs> But she's kind of great guys? though. No, I, I like I her a lot. Um, oh right, yeah, I do. <laughs> <know>. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. This is actually one of the few ones we don't have a ghost in here in this one. <laughs> Oh, oh, you mean yeah. the, oh, you mean when she's, she said, okay, she when she's sitting and... Ruth beside her and was... She sensed so sure Ruth's presence. She was presence. trying to say okay. something. Like, which is so... What? 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 Agatha? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, it bears mentioning that... So, Catherine's, like, staying with some of her relatives? I think friends. I guess. Yeah, like, old, like, like friends? distant relatives who, like, heard she was wealthy. Yeah. Now and we're like, oh, we're and suddenly, yeah, us. it'll be delightful, and then maybe we'll find something to charge her for. Who knows? Um. Yeah. Um. So Lady Tamblin, who is like the lady of the house, is absolutely man. terrible. Yeah. And, and uh, but Lennox, Lady Tamblin's daughter, becomes friends with yeah, Catherine. And she's pretty great. Um. Yeah, Lennox and Catherine are pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but. So, of course, then Derek Kettering comes to dinner with this family. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't know about the murder yet. Mm. Um, but, yes. Yeah. Or does he? Mm. He gets a note from the police at dinner. Mm. Um, yeah. It's like, oh, how odd. I so, yeah. You have to talk to the police. It's probably about stocks or something. I don't know. Bye. Blah, blah, blah. And he goes. Right. And that's what he says so he, exactly, he, word for word. Word for word. Really? Totally, word for word. Series of dialogue choices from Agatha Christie. Yeah. But he does go there, and then he does know that the murders happen, and he does get upset. Yeah, he's like, oh, it's, yes. uh, this is odd. And he runs into Mirelle, mm-hmm. and she's like, I can't believe you've done this, Derek. Now we can be together. And he's it like, is... what are you talking about? <laughs> Like you, you, yeah. you, you did the thing. You said you were going to kill her for money so we could be together, and now you have. And I'm so grateful for it. And he's like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, it's like she's dead, and I'm wealthy, but I'm not taking you back ever again. <laughs> yeah, like I'm absolutely. gonna have lunch with someone Actually, else, which is so good. Like, you, going to have you there, that that person, the uh, her, Catherine. Yeah, Catherine walks in, and he's like, "You, it's so good." So, Derek has this big old crush on Catherine. Yeah. Yes. That he uh, makes very plain to her later on. Yes. But of course, in the entire meanwhile, she's he is suspected of murdering his wife. Yeah. And then, yeah. Weird. So how did you so meet? <laughs> well, funny story. I saw the case of his murdered wife. Yeah. I proved his innocence. 
Which is, you know, but in the meantime, move. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But in the meantime, uh, Mr. Van Alden, uh, Ruth's dad, is dead. Has this? Well, yes, of course. And he's talking to Claro to help him solve what may have happened to his daughter. But uh, Van Alden has this secretary uh, named Knighton, which is spelled with a K, which is important. Um, Knighton Day. It's like, yeah, it's like a knight in shining armor. Because mm-hmm. he's like a quite yes. soft-spoken man. A soft boy. He's a, yes. Yeah, who also develops quite a liking for the, the, the sad woman with the gray eyes. <laughs> Catherine, yes. It's funny. It's, um, like, it's like she's like, this woman has gray eyes. I need a last name for her. Gray. Ah, well. <laughs> Screw it. Blue train, gray eyes, whatever. <laughs> um, yes, so he also has developed quite a liking for Catherine for as well. a woman who is quote-unquote past her first, what, fruits? What is it? What? Freshness. Oh. Fruits! <laughs> So the safety button on the Snapple cap popped up. Um, But the Snapple cap is still good. Okay. Are they ever? I know. When he says real facts, real is in quotes. I'm pretty sure every single one of them is a lie. But this is not a Snapple podcast. It's a mystery podcast. So I'm going to vote here. Who would you rather listen to? A Snapple podcast or a mystery podcast? Let tweet at us. Please say mystery podcast. Tweet at me. No one's ever tweeted at me. That's not true. Some Ames tweeted at me. I tweeted no at you to, at to sarcastically say good tweet. Yeah, thanks. Good. <laughs> I appreciate the encouragement. Nice. Um, hey, hey. So what I'm happened? sorry. All my good ideas for tweets uh, are stolen by you and then tweeted. You don't stop me. <laughs> no, he's he's got a point. He's He, he does ask every time. But, you gotta get on those good tweets. Yeah. So now can't let Tristan have all of them. Mm-hmm. Yes, should we talk more about this book? Yeah. We read? Um, I could. I could a mention book in quotation marks. Read also in quotation marks. Another mark. of our suspects. There's a conversation during Poro's investigating that leads him to another suspect. Hmm. Uh, he's out with the, yes with the American and Miss Gray, uh, and they're watching tennis and they're chilling or whatever. And um, Kettering's there for a little bit. And it's awkward, and then he I'm leaves. I'm sorry, they're just chilling courtside. Courtside, <laughs> with a mint julep yes. in my hand and an army pommel in the other. Um, <laughs> yes, but uh, uh, Poro's like, I'm not just. Uh, I like to mix work and pleasure. I'm not just here for fun. Which is th- that that phrase is the worst. <laughs> I like to mix some work and pleasure. Yeah. Um. The man across the court, you eh. might know him. He is, I don't know his name. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's, yeah, he's uh, known for uh, the selling of royal jewels. It is possible he uh, could tell us if the jewels have been seen. So he does engage in this conversation mm-hmm. with the man uh, separately. Like he goes to the man. Um, do we? Do, we don't have a name on him. I can look it up. Oh gosh, I can't remember. It's fine. At all. He's not that important. After this, um, after this conversation, we'll pretty much be done with him. He's think. the guy who sold the he sold the jewels to Van uh, Alden, right? At the beginning. Um, yeah. And Poro's like, "Hey, I helped you out of a bind 14 years ago, and I'm calling it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need some yeah. info. 
Uh, first what Poirot does is bring out a box of jewels that he has that they apparently found on, not the Marquis de Carabas, um, the Comte de la Roche. On the Comte de la Roche's, right. uh, like a package that he sent. Um, and it mm -hmm. has jewels in it. And he's like, oh, these are very fine. He's like, yes, uh, would you say they are worth $15 million? I don't know what number he says, but it's very high. Mr. Pra Papopoulos, he's oh, a Greek guy. Mr. Papopoulos. Papopoulos, um, that's right, thank you. And... He's like hardly. He's like yes, they are they are obviously fakes, aren't they? And he's like yeah, very they're very very good fakes, but they're fakes. Um, and they're like so. Why would? Well, the question it makes us ask is why would, uh, Conte de Roche, kill this woman and steal the jewels when he clearly intended to replace the jewels when he borrowed them to write his book report. Mm -hmm. Um. This guy, Comte de la Roche, uh, and Poirot says this at the beginning, like, yeah, it sounds like he would steal jewels, but I really don't think he'd do a murder. Yeah, and this proves, like, yes, he did intend to steal the jewels, and we see how, and it was very obvious, but it, he's not, yeah. he doesn't seem like the guy. Um, So he's like, all right, Mr. Papopoulos, you owe me one for that big favor I did you. Uh. I need yep. some information as to these jewels. And he's like, I can't tell you anything about jewels, but I might have a great hint at the horse races. There's this uh, horse that's definitely a sure thing. His name is the Marquis. Mm-hmm. Introducing yes. the character. So this mysterious... This mysterious new character we've never heard of or that we've been waiting for. The Except at the very beginning of the book. <laughs> yeah. So the Marquis is this famous or not so famous. He's kind of under the radar. So he's very well spoken. He's equally adept in French and English. So no one can agree on whether he's French or English. And who is this mysterious, mysterious man? There's some pronunciation at some point. Someone to say Marquis. Yes. And I love it. Ah, that's the Marquis. Because he's an English person. Yeah. I do love that. <laughs> what were we talking about? There was a cigarette case. Oh yeah. With a K on it. Yes. Yeah. Followed by three more K's. Oh no. Oh. K. That's a very bad thing. No, it was just the one K. club. Oh man. The dumber version, which you didn't think was possible, of the Ku Klux Klan. Oh man, this is the place that we that we went. Uh, no, no I would say one of us went, and then I drug you two there to hell with me in this hellfire that Kicking I and screaming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, the cigarette case. Ada, first, like, Ada, was this was this Miss Kettering's? And I'm like, well, we found one that Miss Kettering had already. Why would she have two? And, and it was like, oh, she bought it for Mr. Kettering as a gift. Weird. That was, that's what she said. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Considering how much they liked each other. Yeah. It oh, is real weird. And it's also important to note that uh, Ada Mason did not think that she had seen Derek Kettering go into the compartment. Yeah. But then later called the police back and was like, oh, oh, wait, no, totally did. Actually did do that. Did see him do go into the compartment. Yep. That happened. Yeah, Poirot asks, like, well, you you saw someone, and we assumed it was Comte de la Roche, but could it have been Monsieur Kettering? And she's like, oh, no, I don't know. And then she leaves, and she's like, oh, yeah, Defo was. Ah, uh, now that you said it, I know it was him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
So, yeah. So we get lots of other little things that happen, like uh, Catherine goes back to her old mistress, I guess. Well, a new, like, one of the old people at her town where she was, yeah, uh, where she worked, was sick and was like, oh, I see you're going off to see the world, but I'm sick now, so, like, if you could watch after me, I would let you and that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. And they this, have... This adventure life was too much. Right, and they have night and over for, uh, for dinner. Oh, for, oh, actually, it's, uh, lunch. I think it's lunch. Yeah. Very important. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, uh, yeah. But yes, uh, they have him over and, uh, Catherine's older friend says, you know what? He likes you. He's actually pretty in love with you. And uh, Poirot, upon learning that both Kettering and Knighton are in love with Catherine, warns her um, or tells her that the love of a good woman can be the downfall of a bad man or mm-hmm. or could be the the saving grace of a bad man. Yeah. Haven't they also put someone away for the crime at this point? Uh, they're currently That's right. like have someone on trial. Yeah. And it's Derek Kettering. And it's Derek Kettering. Okay. Right. Because so many people have now corroborated the fact that they saw him go into his wife's apartment that night yep. that they're like, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> not in that way. I'm <laughs> I'm the only one who's ready to play and you're all like, we're tired. Can we wrap this up? Please? No, no. I mean, that would have made the plot very different. Yes. Yeah. No, at one point he does say, yeah, Catherine, you saw me going there. I went in, I wanted to talk to her, but she was asleep, so I was like, what no, am I, I going to say we haven't already said? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to leave it. Yep. Um, Seems plausible. Yeah. But, except for that she w- woke up dead, so weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, Did she wake up dead? How does one wake up dead? Uh, I mean... I've watched iZombie. <laughs> there you go. I think, I, I think I've seen an episode of iZombie. Is that like iCarly only with the dead people? <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Okay. So what happens when she's talking to Nana and she's that sort of thing? No, I think Poirot comes and visits mm-hmm. and brings the American. Mm-hmm. And we should go to break. It's okay. time. We're getting there. Hey, Tristan. Hey, Christina. Do you like anime? I don't know. Do you like me? I, yes. Do you want to watch anime with me? I, I, yes. Do you want to make it into a podcast? I, I, yes. Great. What's it going to be called? It's called the Animazing Podcast. When it comes out. It comes out every Saturday. Bye. <laughs> We're back. We're back. Didn't you like those back. ads? They're fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're great. I loved every one of them. I love listening to ads. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to all the ads during the when we take a break, just so I get the experience the listener's going to get, you know? That's right. It's a, it's a nice, calming, grounding experience. So the American guy visits him. Yeah, the American guy visits him. Poirot, like, invited him. He's like, I have news on the case. He's like, you mean the case that we solved? Because my son-in-law's going to He's go a waiting trial yeah. for murder? <laughs> so... It is that case. I have new news. It's like, oh, that's uh That's weird. really something. In true Poirot fashion, they go back on the blue train. Yeah. Yeah, he drags them onto the train. <laughs> he does. Just love symmetry. And... 
Oh my gosh. And like, right, him so... and his secretary onto the blue train. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we're gonna, we don't need the beds made up. We're gonna sit in here all night. And they're like, why? Well, he's like, what are you even science. doing here? <laughs> all right. So I've, I don't remember. This part? Yeah. How okay. this proves anything. Okay. Basically, when they get to the end thing, there's a guy waiting to arrest the secretary. Yes. Because during the whole investigation, Poirot goes to, as he does so often, that theater producer he likes. Oh, yeah. And is like, do you know any actors that have been just stopped acting recently? And he's like, yeah, two of them. Because there was someone on the, the station mm-hmm. who was walking around, and Poirot's like, oh, you think it's a young man? I think that young man might have been a woman. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, and we learn that Kitty Kid mm-hmm. is a renowned male impersonator and actress. Yes. And Catherine saw she thought she saw a boy getting off the train. Mm-hmm. But it was really a lady. It was really a lady. It was Kitty Kid who was Ada Mason. Yes. yes. The fact that led Poirot to the end was the smashed face he's like yep. why would someone smash this face after the death it does not make like, sense it we we had another body part to identify that it was in fact miss kettering so it wasn't to like pass off a different body and eventually he figured it out the uh what's his name the conductor sorry mm-hmm. yeah the conductor, the conductor yeah. said he talked to miss kettering and she told him she left her mm-hmm. servant mm-hmm. away. But she was already dead at the time, and the actress was playing her. Yes, so they mm-hmm. smashed yeah. up the face so the conductor couldn't go, oh, that wasn't the woman I talked to. Yep. Exactly. Um, she just yeah, put some yeah. auburn curls under her cap and wore the mink coat. So Catherine mm-hmm. was fooled, too. The person that Catherine thought she saw milling about was also Ada Mason and not, uh, mm-hmm. and not Ruth. And the reason he knew Knighton was involved mm-hmm. is because the only proof they had that the maid had gotten out in Paris and stayed at the hotel was that she happened to run into Knighton. Yep. And that's convenient. What a coincidence. Yeah. Yep. And so it's a pair of actors, pair of character actors, never trust them, murdering <laughs> to get money. But Knighton did genuinely fall in love with her, with, um... With Catherine. With with Catherine, and that's what he stuck around for too long, and that's what, yeah, let it to happen. Yeah, yep. and he was the marquee. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, Knighton, also, as I said, important spelled with a K. It was mm-hmm. his cigarette case, actually. Yeah, that's the reveal Poirot does is they pull into the station, and Poirot is like, mm, "Do you need the cigarette, Knighton? It is from your case," and pulls out the case, and he's like, "Uh." Uh, uh, uh. I'm terribly sorry. What did you mean by that? Yeah, they yeah. Him really good. Yeah, do a really good arrest. They do. Okay. There are two great quotes that I liked in this book. Uh huh. Yeah, the one that was used in Murder on the Orient Express, yes. which is very good. Yeah, it came from here. There are two mm-hmm. men who will know when you lie. There. Yeah. The first is your god, and the second is Ekuporo. Which is yes. The best line in the world. And the other is. He's talking to Catherine when she re- when he knows that both these men are in love with her, and he's like, and he's trying to gauge which one she's in love with. Mm-hmm. He's like, I believe you could possibly fall in love with a thief, but not a murderer. 
Mm. Yeah. So that was also a very good line. Yes. Yes, it's very good. Um, and it's not clear. I don't believe that she couples off with Kettering. Or does it's she? Heavily implied. Okay. It's heavily implied. I mean, but you were the only one who read it twice. Twice, yeah. So. I, and you're, you know what? You're right. It is heavily implied because her buddy Lennox, who she'd been staying oh. with, yeah. really, really likes Derek. And Poirot has this conversation with Lennox, like, yeah, so sorry about the way this worked out. So, yeah, I guess it is mm-hmm. implied that Catherine does couple up with Derek, which seems really random, honestly. It seems kind of... It seems a little like... I mean, I know that he really liked her, but what did she see in him? I'm not entirely sure. How many mustaches? This is a novel, so it's out of ten, yes. Out of ten. You out of ten. Melissa. You know, when I went to listen to it the second time, I thought I was going to give it something like an eight. No, mm-hmm. I liked it less the second time around, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to go with... Well, one point comes off for misogyny one point comes off for so much exposition but like it got so convoluted for me and there were so many things that were just i don't know it didn't have the fun twists and turns it just had twists and turns so i think i'm going to actually give it a six and a half okay sure miles i'm thinking i'm gonna go six like Mm -hmm. i liked it it's above it's above a five for me mm-hmm. yeah and i but like there's just been so much better mm-hmm. so i give it a two yeah i saw that one coming i hated this i hated this book it was bad it didn't make sense it was poorly written and there was i enjoyed about 20 percent of it which was all just poor row stuff so like if she'd gotten to the plot and the thing and to be honest i think where poirot shines is in the short stories and that's why it's so good to adapt for television and why it's done so well. Because it's just, you just gotta get to him being a good detective. And it just, like, whereas, like, with Roger Ackroyd, there was a bunch of stuff that wasn't Poirot stuff, but it was all interesting. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to just complicated. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I think, I think a lot of murdering mystery writers get that confused, like, oh, I need to make it really complicated, and, it, and that's interesting for readers. When it, To me, it was just overwhelming, and the fact that I don't remember the majority of the book, yeah. I think, speaks volumes. I'm, One volume. A book. Uh, I feel... I'm, I'm curious if she'll keep doing anything with the third mm-hmm. person, and if she does, if it's something she'll get better at. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I okay. mean... Yeah. I think Thank that... Thank you all for joining us. Yeah. Thanks, guys. We read another novel. We we're, did. We're going to read some more short stories for a bit. Please. <laughs> um, I now call this meeting to adjourn. <laughs> sound. Jacques. Jacques. <laughs> Alors je sens en moi mon cœur